Welcome back to GPS Sports and Merry Christmas to all you guys out there. Uh, before we get around to our special theme for this episode, I want to know, Seth, Connor, how are you guys doing today? Quinn, I've literally never been better in my life. This is the peak of my existence right now. Quinn, think about um, think about the most boring color. What do you think its name is? Chartreuse. Really? You think chartreuse? <laughs> I was thinking like <laughs> no, it's just a like a military gray. Sean, I was yeah. If I could, if I could, yeah. Shade. If my emotions were on a color palette, it would be military gray. It would be a, it would be a nice beigey, beigey, greeny, boring color. I'm doing five out of ten, but like exactly five out of ten. You've never seen someone do more average than me. It's almost except I'm almost doing exceptional because of how average I am doing. I'm right there in well, the middle. Let's- well, let's ramp that attitude up because uh, guess it's, what yeah, today okay. is? This is our uh, final episode of the season. Oh, season we, finale. Who's yeah. gonna die? Oh, wait, <laughs> there's only three. We're of us. killing someone. Oh no, Gorth. Gorth? Oh, Gorth. <laughs> no, he'll be in charge of the killing. <laughs> if you don't know who Gorth is, go back and listen to episode eight. Will it be Quentin, Cotter, Seth, or the Dark Lord of Murder, or our Cheetos? Sponsor? Who will be the murderer? I feel like I have a suspect pretty high up there. With um, murders in the name, it's not looking okay, good. Okay, fun fact. You guys remember when I asked you who your least favorite player is? Yes. Maybe. Yeah, yes, okay. I do. So I, at one point last month, was debating for Christmas, for our Christmas episode, our last episode, Buying both of you knockoff Chinese jerseys. No way. Seth, I was going to get you a Baker Mayfield Browns jersey. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Connor, I was going to get you a Terry Bradshaw jersey. Oh, that's amazing. Terry Bradshaw is senile, and he goes on live television every Sunday. Baker Mayfield (laughs) deserves to be in a ditch somewhere. So I was going to buy you guys those, and I was going to come in here on this last episode, and um, I was going to have this bag in the corner and be like, Merry Christmas, gentlemen, (laughs) and then gift you guys both those things. And then I decided, you know what? I don't really want to spend 40 bucks right now on cheap Chinese knockoff jerseys that I don't even know if we're going to turn out. I, You know, the bright side, Quinn, if that ever does happen one day in the future, I will wear it every podcast. I'm glad. Absolutely. I, I genuinely hope so. Um, but yeah, I decided not to. And I, honestly, at this point, I'm kind of bummed I decided not to because that would have been a great bit. Oh, that would have been hilarious. But just the story is fun. Yeah. Um, so we could have pretend. They can't see. We could have just pretended. <laughs> you're, wait, you're right. We could have just lied. <laughs> oh, I mean, I was totally kidding. I actually got you guys. Oh, to- whoa! Oh, look at this. No way. You should. Have- uh, is that? Is that a Baker Mayfield jersey? Oh my gosh. I got you, man. Thanks, Quinn. And also, I bought both of you guys Teslas. Wow. I'm super wealthy. Oh, look. Oh, is that that the big metal thing that's taking up space in the tiny studio? Oh, (laughs) I got, yeah, from the Prestige. (laughs) I got you Tesla coils. (laughs) Let's travel through time or something. Thanks, Connor. I got you guys electricity <laughs> i don't exactly know what's going on with the tesla coil uh good thanks Appreciate i got you guys it. the power of love Aww. the huey lewis song <laughs> i <laughs> got you guys huey lewis for six hours he'll be in here he'll fall around all day he'll just play whatever he don't care where you are he'll play <laughs> huey lewis did, did you bring the huey in the lewis news discography 
Huey, Huey Lewis and the news. I brought Huey Lewis <laughs> and a copy of Biola's I, newspaper. I'll say this, Quinn. <laughs> Good. There is no better transition than saying, you brought Huey, Huey Lewis, I'll bring the news. Let's get started. <laughs> That's how we need to start well, every podcast. Uh, today, Quinn's today, Huey Lewis, and I'm the news. And Today this is, is the a news. little bit different, though, uh, in that it's not, uh, I guess, our classic format for our podcast. Um, so we decided... Uh, w- you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you a question that you better know the answer to, boys. Um, what year is it? Good question, Quinn. I'm Good gonna ta- I'm gonna ask this. I'm gonna talk to Seth. Can we phone a friend? Hey, Seth. Go for it. Yeah. It is 2019, Seth. Quinn. Boom. Seth, you concur? That's our final answer, Quinn. Correct. Uh, Way to go, boys. <laughs> dude, Proud of you. God's plan. Um, <laughs> but um, what that means that next year is going to be the start of a brand new decade. Hello. So we're saying goodbye to the 2010s, and what better <laughs> way to go gonna out? The internet's shut down. Again. <laughs> you guys no. remember that? Y2K. I don't remember that because I was too. Y2K Come. 20. <laughs> yeah, that's what uh, the generation in between... That's what is it, Gen X? Yeah, that's what they need to be known for. Yeah, freaking out that they think the internet's gonna die, <laughs> die, and that they're gonna go post-apocalyptic <laughs> because 1999 became 2000. Well, what, okay, so what better way to end this decade than to and and to end our first season of, you know, GPS Sports than to uh, take a look back on the 2010s and uh, look at the moments and the players and the. Uh, Sports things that have really made this decade this decade. Yes, sir. The good and the bad and the ugly. Um, so, you know, <clears throat> if you guys take a look at the Google Doc, both of you, I put some categories on there um, that we're going to be uh, going through and kind of talking about. Uh, we're going to give our picks for some of these categories. And, um, yeah, this should be a, a lot of fun. Um, kind of a good way to just end our our season and end the decade in general and um, just have kind of a fun time with this last episode here. It's the GPS Sports SBs, the GPSBs, the GPSBs, which stands for Good Podcast Sports Boys. Hey, we're the Good Podcast Sports Boys and welcome to our channel. Please like and subscribe. Do, do, Way to go. Do. Yeah. We'll have live viewing parties of watching us watch sports. You want to watch us watch sports? <laughs> Tune in to watch me sit in silence and eat a lot. Like you'll be shocked how much I eat during watching Red Zone. Cheetos welcome sponsor to the us. Good Sports Boys. You can watch me watch and man, it's boring. I might laugh and I might choke. On some food, but I always get it back up. <laughs> Thanks, Connor. <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. Yeah. So without Woo. further ado, uh, we may as well start this. Uh, and I think we should start out first off with um, our best sports moment. Well, actually, should we should we finish with our best sports moment of the decade? Would that be a good finisher? That that would be. I, I would yeah, like that. Sure. Okay. Yeah, we can just uh, flip these two. Yeah. Okay. Then let's let's uh, let's start with um, best. Athlete, and I think we're gonna go uh, for this. We're gonna do for each individual sport and overall. That's a lot, but okay. Uh, uh, which I, you know, I mean, don't go like, don't go like too in depth into it. Um, all right, okay. But, and so this yeah. is for the decade, right? We're not doing the year. The no, yeah, the decade. Okay. So uh, we'll start with the NFL. Who is the best NFL athlete of the 2010s? Tom Brady. It has to be Tom Brady. It, uh, yeah. It, if anyone says any other answers during the 2010s other than Tom Brady as the best athlete, then 
your metrics are going to have to be s- three rings this this decade. Three th- rings this decade, five appearances this decade. Yeah, so half five of the appearances. Super Bowls. Not to mention he made the Pro Bowl. Well, he didn't go to. Th- Five Pro Bowls because he. Regardless was, of whether or not you like the and Patriots, also, I don't think the Pro Bowl matters. Pro Bowl doesn't matter, yeah, but he, no. was, he was voted to. As the sports Pro podcast, yeah. can we never talk about the Pro Bowl ever again? Deal. <laughs> like, what, can we just make that? What's that? I don't know what that is. Quinn, great start. <laughs> Good. Um, yeah, I think Tom Brady is the undisputed uh, winner of this dominance in the 2010s. Yeah, I mean, you could also say Bill Belichick. Even though he's he's not yeah. an athlete, but like the type of success he's had. As much as people hate on the Patriots, you gotta respect what they've done in the 2010s. Yeah, they haven't. The Warriors are a dynasty of the 2010s that we've seen, and, and, and we'll talk about we'll talk about teams, in and a we can second. talk about teams in a second. But the Patriots, among teams as well, are almost dominant in this because of the nature of the NFL without the salary cap and that without super teams. It's incredible. It's yeah. a, we'll we'll tell our kids about this. This is like living through like the Celtics going to ten championships mm-hmm. in or winning ten yeah. in the eighties yeah. or no sixties. Yeah, the sixties with Bill Russell. It's like it's y- ridiculous. It's like going back and looking at Wilt Chamberlain's st- stats, yeah. and it's like it's hilarious. So <laughs> it's the team of the century. Uh, yeah. Moving on from NFL, who is the best NBA player of this decade? Are you? I, I I don't. I see I, on this, this not, document any on. other name not named LeBron. Okay, I was I, gonna say uh, I was gonna count us down, and then we were all gonna say LeBron. Oh, sorry. <laughs> For the record, I I put Kawhi on on the dock. I was thinking of just 2019. Okay, okay. I was like I, heard, I was like, what are you on right now? I wrote a little 19 next to his name. I put you Russell Westbrook because like you guys know how hard it is to get a triple double. <laughs> Those <laughs> are, grow on trees, man. And Russell Westbrook, she uh, she grinded. I man. put Ricky he Rubio because did you to get see what he did in the Euro League? <laughs> I put. I put Derrick Rose because he had a buzzer beater last I put night. Kobe Bryant. <laughs> he did. <laughs> Kobe, Kobe. Did you see Kobe? I'm gonna tear your Achilles and then I'm gonna let you hit a free throw, Seth. <laughs> yeah, it, no, it's gotta be with LeBron, my bare though. heads, Connor. Come on, just you gonna can't. go in there, just go. <laughs> Honestly, and I Kobe. think I think the closest second would be probably Steph Curry, but it's not even close. It, yeah, it's only Steph Curry transformationally. I think that yeah. argument can be made because within the 2010s decade, we saw the NBA change. And that yeah. and change as an entire sport. <laughs> and this hasn't happened, I mean, since... I mean, this is Steph Curry, if we want to make this argument, which I'm happy to start making it right now, I guess. Yeah. Steph Curry did what Michael Jordan did back in the 90s. And then the Jordan era kind of of like this super athletic slashing guard that like sells shoes that speaks to the public in a way that gets kids playing basketball differently in a way that no one else has. That hasn't happened until Steph Curry this decade. So we could say this, the best athlete is probably LeBron James because he, we have never seen, he's like magic Johnson, but, uh, but you know, evolved. He's magic. He's the evolution of magic Johnson. Um, and that's why he's in the conversation as the best of all time. But what Steph Curry did to the game of basketball hasn't been done since Jordan, and before Jordan hasn't been done since. Like yeah, Steph right. Curry did. He, I'm shooting. So I went was, and played basketball the, at 24 Hour Fitness the other night. I was shooting threes from half court. I think Steph <laughs> Curry is the usher of a new era of basketball. He yeah, was, he absolutely. was the one that brought that because I, I, I would say that we're in a different place in the NBA now than we were back in 2010. Mm-hmm. We've seen basketball change as a league um, over the course of this decade, in a large part due to the Warriors. And again, we're going to talk about teams uh, in a few minutes here. But um, I, I, I think Steph Curry, um, 
because of that, that's why I would say he's probably second in terms of athlete of the decade. Yeah, um, he changed an entire sport, which no, which this decade we have not yet really seen. Right. You know, I guess you could talk about, you can kind of talk about, like, I don't want to get, I don't want to be a prisoner of the moment. But what we're seeing in Patrick Mahomes and what we're seeing in Deshaun Watson and what they're kind of doing to the quarterback position. Lamar. Yeah, um, I was going to say, Lamar yeah. is changing it more than either of those guys. Who, who did I say? You said Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. Which, I mean, oh, my head said, my, my brain but, told me I said right. Lamar. Sorry, uh, yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah. Deshaun. Those, uh, those no. three. <laughs> but, like, Patrick Mahomes is, like, transforming. He's, like, the evolution of the quarterback, yeah. which is, like, throwing from all these different audience cannon. And Lamar Jackson, obviously, is, like, proving that. But here's the thing. That is me being a prisoner of 2019 moment. I don't, yeah. I'm going to see how that evolves. Right. But that is but the Steph next closest it. thing, right? That's the next closest thing to Steph Curry right. I could possibly even see right now. Yeah. Because what Steph Curry did, um, it's, it's going to change the league forever. Curry was transformational, uh, but he had way more support than LeBron did. So he's not a better player than LeBron and definitely wasn't a better player uh, throughout the entire decade. Um, but since he had that surrounding, we can call him the best shooter. I think of all I have time. on here. We could. I think I have on here a separate category for most influential. Oh, I didn't put it down. But I think we can, we can create another category for that and talk about that a little bit later on in the podcast. Sure. Um, and then Major League Baseball. I I also feel like there's one answer for this. Can we we can do a countdown for this one? Okay. <clears throat> Three. Two, one, Mike Big Poppy. <laughs> Thanks, Connor. He's big. He hits homers. We like him. David Ortiz. Cover of MLB The Show 2006. So, I mean. Read his autobiography oh, in yeah. third grade, baby. I, 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 love, I love Poppy. And that book but report. <laughs> Mike Trout is quite possibly, he's on track to be the greatest baseball player who ever lived. Yeah, based on his his on his current career path and on a on a normal level of regression, unless he hits an Albert Pujols level of regression, he's going to be the baseball the best baseball player to ever play the game. Albert Pujols regression hit quicksand. You guys think quicksand's only in the Amazon jungle? Nope, it's also somewhere um, out there <laughs> in some sort of stadium. ethereal realm, and it hit him. and And Albert Pujols is now a walking skeleton <laughs> yeah. with no muscle. <laughs> yeah, let's give him credit. He was. In his 30s well, when the, and, the signing happened with but, the Angels. Like, the thing with Pujols, though, is for those first 10 years, like, through 2010, when he made that contract signing, again, the beginning of this decade, um, he was, like Mike Trout, probably going to be the best player that ever lived. And then he hit an abnormal level of regression the next year, and people were like, oh, it's going to be fine. He'll bounce back. And he just didn't. Yeah, and and I'll say too, like I remember when he was. I think what it was a ten year contract with yeah. the Angels. I remember when Albert Pujols was signing the ten year. The conversation at that time was, okay, listen, you can sign a player to this much money over the span chopped up that he's going to be getting per year. Like it's a big contract if it was four years that many, mm-hmm. but not that same amount. But like you know, the same amount yeah. ratioed out. Um, but ten years signing anyone to ten years is. Some sort of lifetime deal, really scary when you sign a thirty-year-old. Bryce Harper. Yeah, Bryce Harper. Exactly. Like you are signing that, up for that someone. That contract is going to age very poorly. I, I mean, assuming that 
Bryce Harper doesn't they bounce have a, back. They have a no trade clause. They have a um, props to his agent and props to Bryce Harper. And if you're Albert Pujols, you're like, you know, what can I? What can you do? I'll get better. Yeah. You know, we'll talk about contracts a little bit later. Yes. Too. Yeah. That's true. That's a very interesting conversation. Especially, I just don't understand it. With why are baseball players getting paid so I think much more than the MLB? In other the state of the MLB free agency needs a lot of Soft work. Salary cap. And I, I, yeah. I agree. I think that's a good conversation for when we get to the contracts, best and worst contracts of the decade. Um, but I do think that the MLB needs to figure something out for their contracts because their players are getting every year. I mean, we like this past week we saw um, Steven Strasburg get a record-breaking contract. You know. So, oh, I didn't see that. Who did you sign with? Nationals. Okay. All Seven right. years, $240 million. Hello. Yeah, <laughs> this is a wild right. contract for an aging, uh, injury-prone pitcher. And I was yeah. going to say that. He's injury-prone. But, again, we'll get back to that. So, best athletes of the, year, of the decade for the NFL, we're going to say Tom Brady, LeBron James, and Mike Trout. And out of those three, who would we put in the top of Ooh. any athlete? Well, I mean, this is hard because we're going to have to define what metric we're going to use. We're not talking influence. We're talking pure athleticism. And oh, player... pure athleticism, LeBron James. Well, pure. it's going mean... to be pure success in the league. Right? Yeah, sure. Because, I mean, that, Tom that Brady is not an athletic gentleman. <laughs> yeah, did you guys see his picture at the Combine? Back when he was yeah. from Michigan State? Yeah. That, like, I think I might look better than that. <laughs> um, so I would say, if we can say what... What Seth's talking about in the success in the sport, I haven't seen Tom Brady. I haven't seen football no. player do that. I the here's I, the thing. I think LeBron <laughs> has been so dominant, and well, I, you got to make the case between LeBron and Mike Trout because well, Mike both, Trout's never won. That's a hard thing. Yeah, and, and but it's what baseball. I would say is both in their own right have have gone into the conversation as the greatest of all time in their respective sport. Yeah, so that's why I'm saying. You know, Mike Trout, yeah, he doesn't have any rings, but he also plays for a bad team, you know. Like, and, so that's not his and fault. And you need good pitching. You need eight other hitters. You need a good defense. Whereas basketball, LeBron can single-handedly lead his team to a championship. And he has. As, and that's the thing. We've seen him do it. Yeah. So I'll say this about Mike Trout. I'm, I'm happy to talk about him in that conversation, but only within baseball because— yeah. The difference between me as a viewer, and this is just the eye test, is if there's an Angels game on and there's a Lakers game on, I'm turning on the Lakers game to watch, and that, LeBron. To watch LeBron over Mike Trout, if that's the only reason. Yeah. Because you just don't get a lot of Mike Trout up there. And that's an issue with the sport altogether. Right. Yeah. And I actually think baseball might be the hardest sport to be successful at. So I'll say credit to Mike Trout, but what Tom Brady did, in the, this decade, with how much winning he did with Bill Belichick and the Patriots, that is unheard of. In the, well, it's not unheard of, but we've seen it with the Cowboys in the 80s, and we saw it with the Pittsburgh Steelers then with Terry Bradshaw, to my dismay. And we've seen it, Buffalo Bills went to four straight Super Bowls. We've seen it in the NFL, like something like this, but we have not seen the type of continual success that the Patriots have had over the last two decades, which is involving, I don't know, like 18 playoff ex- appearances. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Mike Trout, if if I can just say this, yeah, Mike yeah. Trout is a product of an amazing player on a bad team. Mm-hmm. Tom Brady here in these more recent years has been a product of 
a very good player on an incredible team that's built around him. Yeah. And well, so this I, well, is I don't why... know that Tom I don't know that we would be calling Tom Brady the best NFL athlete if he was on a different team. And you could make the case that yeah, we would be, but like what I'm saying is it would definitely be more of a dispute. It's a very well-run organization and that gives him an advantage. So yeah. that's where having a large team I think can help you out in this conversation. Because it's hurting Mike Trout, because I think if the Angels win, you know, three, four, uh, you know, championships in the last decade, or even two, I think he's he's maybe right up there with those other two of like, this is a really tight race for, for best athlete. Um, but because the team surrounding him is bad, he doesn't get that same support. But whereas now we have Brady, who I think from like maybe 2005 to 2015, I think we have have to give it to Brady. But now, because there's been too many down years... I down think, years? W- for him personally, where he's not running this team anymore. The I, defense yeah, is running the team. That. He's Whoa. not, he's so not the player support. that he once was, is what Seth is saying. Now, that's just you saying about that this year. Because last year, he was like... Like leading the league in all these, like he was like leading the NFL in like his completion percentage. The score in the Super Bowl was ten to three. Am I am I correct? Well, think about that Rams defense run by Wade Phillips at the time. Here's the thing about the Patriots, and here's the thing about this whole discussion. There's there will always be a symbiotic relationship between one of the best players and great coaching and great a franchise, right? Like except for LeBron, I don't know what great coaches you're pointing to. Well, I'm, I mean Eric Spolstra and Pat Riley, Frank Vogel in Miami. Well, he hasn't won yet in L.A., so I can't say that. But I would say, um, I don't think Tyron Lue is some scrub. But in basketball is different. Like it's just basketball is just strictly different in, in in team sport. There's only five players on the floor. We're it's having like, an apples and oranges debate. So I know it, yeah. at this point it's kind of semantics, but I don't want to call it that because sure. that would you know lose lose our ethos. So it's not. Um, except Good. it is in basketball. The hard thing about Mike Trout and the Angels is you're right. His supporting cast. And I understand that if he had you know, a better pitching staff if there was um, more hitting around him. But there isn't. And so yeah. if, sure, I, I'm okay to have that conversation. But to me, winning matters. In my MVP talk, I'm not going to give my MVP mm-hmm. to a player who got good stats on a bad team, right? Yeah, that's right. I would give my, I would have good stats on a good team because winning winning is part of the sport. Yeah. Why do you play if you're not going to win? For fun, I I, I would agree that... But, I would agree that I'd put LeBron as the best athlete of the decade over Mike Trout, but for different reasons, obviously. Because I, I do think that I think what Mike Trout is doing on a bad team is incredibly respectable, and he'd be doing it despite the team that he's on. But but also, I do think LeBron single-handedly, um, for a lot of those years that the Cavs were making the championship over and over and over again, well, yeah. was the reason for that. Yeah, LeBron, and you can you can argue that by looking at the 2018 Cavaliers and then the 2019 Cavaliers once he left. Yeah, that's a good or was metric. Was it 20, I like. 2017? Uh, I think so. Yeah, whatever. But but the year he left, they just you know they went from championship team to one of the worst teams in the league. So, mm-hmm. um, however, I'm gonna give it to Tom Brady personally because of what I haven't seen that in my lifetime in sports. Fair. Yeah. We're gonna we're gonna move on from this topic. Uh, let's talk the uh, best rebuild of the decade. Yeah. Um, so teams that started the decade out, um, you know, or at some point in this decade were very bad uh, and got to a point where they were either very respectable or very good. I, I like this one a lot. Um, 
because my answer is not the Browns. Good. <laughs> <laughs> well, for a, for a for a year, a few years here, or I guess this year, it looked like just they might year. be. Yeah, yeah. Just the, and that's what's funny. Peyton is. Hillis. Don't forget <laughs> Peyton Hillis. Cover of Madden, Madden 12? 12, to 12? <laughs> Maybe. Madden 12? Maybe 12 or 2. Jeez. 14? Uh, the Madden my, curse. I really do like my actual answer to this, and it's the 76ers. Um, yeah, I think, I, I think you're I Trust think you're right. the process. This one I'm not going to do individual sport, by the way. Okay, sure. Uh, and this is mine for, for overall. I think by far, actually, the 76ers take this. Um, they won 19 games in 2013-2014. 18 the next year. 10 the year after that, and last year they had 51 wins and were, what, second or third mm-hmm. in the in the East? Yeah. Um, and now, once again, they're kind of a favorite and right up there. It It's just been really fun to watch uh, this team draft, this team trade, um, this team figure out its contracts, and it was really, it was such a slow rebuild, and that's kind of an, an interesting uh, part of it, is just that they kept saying, trust the process, and I'm like, no, you you were saying that back when you had 18 wins. The next year, you know, you drop one, then you drop down to 10. You can't tell me to trust that. Um, and so the, the fact that it works out with um, getting Embiid and Ben Simmons um, and getting shooters to surround them like J.J. Redick, um, it really worked out for them. And yeah. we'll see if it ever turns into a championship. Um, and they do have some misses along in there. We can pretty easily point out Markel Fultz. Um, but that hasn't kind of taken out their their bottom line yet. I will I will see your Sixers and I will raise you. I'll raise you one Warriors because people forget. I'm pretty sure that um, Steph Curry came out of the 2011-12 draft, mm-hmm. which counts as the decade. So the heart, and that's also Clay Thompson and Draymond Green. So I do understand what you're saying about the Sixers in recent memory and it is true that this began at the beginning like the Warriors rebuild was sort of like in 2010 you know right there at the beginning but I do think if we're gonna if we're gonna take a decade uh perspective what the Warriors did not only um in like I guess acquiring free agents but that was that was in the later half like they had 73 wins before they had Kevin Durant and um the Splash Brothers existed before they were able to get um a free agent you know, this and that was a drafted team. team. It was Those a drafted team. Weren't traded and for. That's something that like LeBron hadn't done, and in, in this like super team era that we're starting to see in the NBA, we have not yet seen that. Like LeBron had his drafted team when he went to the championships with uh, championship. I think it was like Mo Williams and Ildalskis. Ildalskis. Just a couple of really. You go back. Andre Verjao, dude. <laughs> Andre Verjao. I know. I'm playing on my Wii as like a great schooler, <laughs> like flicking my wrist. Verjao from three. Uh, not missed it. Um, that was my experience of Andre Verja at that time. And so when you go back and look at those that like LeBron run to the championship when yeah. he lost before he went to Miami, that's like incredible. And that was a drafted team. But what drafting two of the best shooters of all time and Draymond Green, who is I don't he's won so much with them. It's like, are we gonna talk about him in the Hall of Fame discussion? I don't know, but what he's done for that team is integral, and that yeah. cannot be argued. Yeah. And so that is my rebuild answer. You can also talk about the Cubs, Quinn. Yeah, baseball speaking, what the Cubs did in winning their first uh, World Series in hundred some odd years. That's the story of the of the century. Yeah, that might. Be, yeah, that's yeah, our team right. of the century. Sure. Uh, well, what I I actually was going to say was either. Um, the Cubs or the Astros. 
Sure. Um, oh, yeah, Astros one. Astros. So, because you look at both of these teams, and they started the decade out uh, very mediocre. Yeah. Um, and I remember, I remember back in twenty, uh, I want to say fourteen, um, about three years before the Astros actually started getting really good. Um, and again, this is this is a tough one, and this is why I don't say definitively the Astros because. Um, of the whole scandal right. recently. Yep. Um, but I do think that their general manager did an incredible job with that rebuild, and they made a team from basically nothing into a team of Carlos Correa batting eighth in your lineup. Oh, man. You know? And you like you look at a team like that, and for me, like, yeah, I love baseball, and it's probably the sport that I know the most out of the three major sports, but that, that right there is a highly successful rebuild and for me i think that might be the top one of this decade because you had a team that started out the decade so mediocre had a team of no namers and created a team of pretty much all all all-stars and in baseball that's a nine-man team plus a pitching staff yeah so you know that's that is success in my build or in in my book that's a successful rebuild and that's my pick it's interesting that we had no no football teams but i couldn't think of one because usually i'm our our resident football guy we got me for football connor for basketball you for baseball the thing about football is it's such a it's such a um finicky sport i guess like i I feel like one year you'll have a team that does amazing and then the next year they'll just be they'll have an off year but that's okay because then they'll bounce back the next year or they'll have a few off years and it's just like it's harder Mm -hmm. with nba and and the mlb we have a bigger sample size to see that success in that um you know if if i had to pick an nfl team i would selfishly choose the post 2012 super bowl ravens because that's a team, you know, that doesn't have money. They're not from a well-known city. Yeah. Uh, they pay Joe Flacco way too much money, and then they win five games two years after they win it all, miss the playoffs a couple of years in a row, uh, and then now they build back up to being the Super Bowl contender. I mean, and if we want to go that route, we can also say let's talk about the Seahawks decade oh, totally, too, yeah. Yeah. right? In drafting Russell Wilson, since then he's been the winningest quarterback of anyone's first eight years of playing. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I looked it up on the World Wide Web. So Steph Curry, Draymond Green, and Clay Thompson drafted in 2009. So technically, their rebuild was the beginning. The beginning of but they the weren't decade. like immediately amazing, so I feel no. like your thing still counts. So yeah, I just wanted to be honest with my boys. Let's, let's appreciate. Let's take the inverse of this and go on to our next category, which is the biggest fall from grace of the decade. So teams or players that started this decade out incredibly well, dominantly well, and just ended this decade on a terrible note. I guess I kind of took this in the direction of actual, just kind of how we see them. Yeah, fall from and also grace. this is players or teams. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, you can give an answer for both if you'd like. Yeah, um, and I think I think for me, I mean, the NFL is always having player problems, mm-hmm. um, and so maybe I think next decade we could maybe see the fall of the NFL. We'll see, um, just with kind of how much more aware the average person, not even a sports fan, is becoming aware um, of the NFL and what's going on. Uh, but yeah, Ray Rice was kind of just wiped off the face of the earth after his whole scandal. Um, nobody has really heard from him since that post that Super Bowl win. Um, and you've seen similar things with, uh, 
Antonio Brown is is headed in that direction. The man was just on the cover of Madden 19, which I I still play, and so it's weird for me to to see him on the Steelers being bad. Uh, but that's that's been interesting. As for teams, um, I, I think I think Connor's probably got the best one. Yeah, and so what I wrote, just wrote down here, and I'm looking at right now is with Kobe. Uh, and le- retiring from the Lakers, I think that was the end of an era that is sort of now, like this year, 2019, with LeBron and Anthony Davis. I get, and we're just seeing this through the first quarter of the season, so I don't want to make that call yet. But what we've seen with the, um, let's say, let's call from the 2012 to 2019 Lakers, you have seen an absolute drought that of the likes that this city has not seen yet. And that's because the Lakers have had so much continual success. It's it's a basketball city at its heart. We all know that. Um, I was just, I went to the Rams game in LA on uh, Sunday. And it was really interesting because oh, really? I did go. Yeah, I'm I watched sorry. the Seahawks get <laughs> cemented into the ground. Like it was Russell Wilson, steamroller. He gets steamrolled. Now he's pavement. Um, I don't understand the Rams because we just took them to town a few weeks ago. It's those rivalry games, man. Those yeah, interdivision you're games. You're right about the division games. Because, you know, the Browns beat... They beat us. And yeah. that was weird yeah. because they're not good. At all. And Lamar is, like, <laughs> so insane. Yeah. Like, the, that, your offense they is so good. They may have just been still figuring it out at the beginning of the season. Well, we'll see because we've got to go to Cleveland now. It's either last week or, mm-hmm. or the week after we play the These Jets. division games by the end of the season always do this. It's going to say a Fun lot stuff. about the Ravens because we play Steelers and Browns those last two. You played. You played Duck, 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 Duck Hodges, a man <laughs> named after a terrible throw. A third stream quarterback <laughs> is starting for the eight and five Pittsburgh Steelers. You gotta eight love six. it. All right. Anyway, um, so le- I'm saying Lakers for biggest fall from grace. I've been shocked to see that I, they've landed LeBron. They landed Anthony Davis. Now the it's it's gonna kick back up. I think the cog has been taken out of the gears. Yeah. But up until this point, when you see Kobe retiring, when you see like the like Shaquille O'Neal leaving in the early 2000s, what's going on with um. Pal Gasol leaving and they can't get this Chris Paul trade. Blah, 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 blah. Bottom line is this. Over the last, let's call it eight years, the it has been lackluster in L.A. Yeah. And um, that's my team for the biggest fall from grace. One of the reasons I love this podcast <laughs> is because we have so much, like, diversity in our expertises, I guess. Yep. Like, yeah. um, I, I, we're all pretty versed in sports overall, but we all have those areas that we kind of special in. And for me, it's baseball, obviously. Um, so I am again going to go with a baseball team that a lot of people forget about. And I think that speaks volumes to just how bad that fall from grace was. And for at the start of the decade, the Texas Rangers had two consecutive World Series appearances. And by the end of this decade, they're one of those teams that you don't even talk about anymore. <laughs> yeah, I forgot they existed. Right? That, you know, and that that goes to show you they're like the star power of a team or the the brand recognition. Like, and I, I I think a I think to a degree, to not be recognized or remembered is even worse than to be known as the universally universally worst. Uh, team in the league because if you're the worst team in the league you're at least getting recognition as that the yeah. rangers have just been mediocre since then at best mm-hmm. you know yeah. yeah and i think um yeah they had a few seasons where they were contending for the playoffs 
Um, but since those two World Series appearances, that team has just not been the same. Um, and and that's a testament to the changing, um, I guess, dynamic in baseball that we see. Yeah. The Rangers at the start of the decade had just a versatile overall team. Uh, and we talk about basketball being a sport that's changing. I think we're seeing a change in baseball, too. Strikeout percentages and strikeout rates are, are higher than ever before. And home runs are getting hit more often, which means players are taking huge hacks at balls and not hitting them. Um, so you see a player like Chris Davis, who, spoiler alert, is probably going to be mentioned in uh, one of our later segments. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I think I picked somebody worse than him. Really? He's Another he, baseball player. Wow. Um, I, didn't, I didn't even put his name on there, so you guys would be surprised. <laughs> so... So you look at like a player like Chris Davis, and he's the epitome of why this is a bad change in baseball. Um, players that swing for home runs and only home runs and everything else that they do is strike out. Um, and I think the Rangers have definitely like gotten better at uh, figuring that out. Um, they've had a lot of success in players coming from their team to other teams. Yeah, A.J. Preller, the general manager of the Padres, was on the Rangers um you know part of their team but yeah that's that's my that's my pick for that because they they just fell so fast so far yeah um our next section is one that i'm actually really excited for uh let's talk the best and worst contracts of the decade here we go baby so <laughs> for our numbers fans out there for our statisticians you want to be grabbing your calculator you're going to want to be grabbing your pads <laughs> with your pens because quite honestly we're going to be throwing numbers we're going to be throwing years and the thing to remember with best and worst contracts are is if you don't know their name that's that, a, that's that, probably why it's a that's, bad contract that's, that's the problem <laughs> well i I think we can start this out with uh, the one that I just mentioned, um, who I think you know Connor. Connor probably agreed with by the look on his face when I said it a few minutes ago, and then Seth disagrees for some reason. I want to hear what his answer is. Um, <clears throat> Chris Davis, <laughs> yikes! That's going to go down as one of the Give worst us contracts. Some Chris Davis stats, good. <laughs> okay, wait. I'm going to pull up his his baseball reference page real quick um, because it's just. Uh, I remember at the beginning of the MLB season last year when we were doing this podcast, mm -hmm. um, we were just roasting him alive. Well, it's because he, well, he was like over. He started over the season fifty over fifty or something, whatever. Yeah. Guess who also starts this baseball season over fifty two? Me. I might throw some <laughs> bunts in there. I don't know. I could beat. I could beat out a throw. Okay. So <laughs> if I bunt. If I try to bunt fifty two times. No, I believe in you. Yeah. I don't think so. Uh, I'd actually die. I, I think the 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 metric that people go off of in uh, baseball is your your war your wins above replacement right um and he started being decent he started netting a positive war in 2012 on the orioles before that he was actually on the championship uh rangers believe it or not yeah. um but yeah so he he had a 1.7 war in 2012 and then 2013 his breakout season had an all-star appearance a silver slugger and finished third in mvp voting 6.5 war right then he had another kind of off year, 1.7, um, and then uh, that was 2014. So his batting average, his highest batting average of the decade was 286, and that was in that all-star MVP season yeah. um, where he batted 53 home runs. Yeah. The next season, 26 home runs, and the season after that, 47. 
2016, he hit 38 home runs. So this guy was a slugger, you know? Mm -hmm. Everyone wanted him on their team because he was that home run hitter. Well, 2016, the Orioles decide to sign him to a contract. Of course, because why wouldn't you, you know, with statistics like that? Right. Except it was a terrible idea because uh, he's now signed through 2022 on a seven-year contract for $161 million. And How's he doing, Quinn? How's he doing? Since then, oh, man. I has feel a so bad. grand total of, drumroll please, <laughs> in three years, negative 2.9 war, which oh, means wow. a replacement level player, just your standard uh, quadruple A type player, you know, yeah. the player that spends time bouncing back and forth between the minors, would have netted this netted his team an average of almost three wins more than having Chris Davis on that so roster. So bad. Yeah. Wow. For $161 million. That is, yep. And for me, that's why that's the worst contract of the decade, and I really want to hear what Seth's answer to this is. Yeah. So uh, name the years and how much they paid him again. Um, it was seven okay, years. Okay, contract was signed in 20. 20- 16. Okay. So since 2016, he's been paid $23 million a year. And so what's the total? It's it's for seven years, right? Uh, yeah. Through, through so 2020. 2022. So what's the total? $161 million. $161. This contract is, was also signed the same year, 2016. Year. It is through 2023, so it's eight years, and it is $248 I think I know who you're talking about. Miguel Cabrera. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Awful, awful contract. Now, it's frustrating. At the time, though, I would say that contract was much better justified than Chris Davis was. much better justified, yeah, (laughs) but his turned out worse because they spent more money on him. And so this was just the perfect storm of, once again, why do you you make this deal if you're the Tigers? Because Mm -hmm. it's like the Albert Pujols deal where you know he's going to go down. You hope that he doesn't go down this much, but you know he's going down, and you pay him $248 million. And his age, 33 season. Yeah. 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 Yeah, he was 33. Um, And so just to be clear, uh, he played only 38 games last year. He... In, in the defense of the Tigers when they signed that contract, um, he had had uh, no se- like he had, he had one season since he had started out since his rookie year where his his war was below three, which is ridiculous. But the year after they signed that contract, he went from an all-star season, finished ninth in MVP voting and a silver slugger. Um, he went from a wins above replacement of 4.7. To negative 0.7. Jeez. And then the next year, 0.6. And this year, he was worth exactly zero. <laughs> so literally, it he was it, a replacement level player. And like, think about how much you're paying a replacement level player, right? As opposed to, oh yeah, what was that? 25 something million a year, whatever. Yeah, it would be. It would be almost 30, I think. Oh, yeah. Okay. So yeah. there you go. Because you know, we say Lord. your wins above replacement is a zero, but like, let's let's take into account the cost to the team. Yeah. You know, who else can you buy with that? $30 million. $31 million a year. And you know what's so hard about these contracts is that when you trade the player, you're also trading their contract with them. And so when you have, when you sign Miguel Cabrera, when you sign a Chris Davis, a lot of people can be like, oh, why don't you just like, 
some of you at home might be thinking, okay, why don't you just get rid of him? Like, why do you need to be stuck with him? Oh, we'll cut Chris Davis. Oh, we'll cut Miguel Cabrera. We'll trade Miguel Cabrera to someone else, and maybe he'll do better over there. But when, first of all, there's guaranteed money as a part of the collective bargaining agreement between players and these franchises. So there's guaranteed money that no matter where they go, You'll have to pay them, and that's why, well, Chris Davis may as well play because right. maybe he'll get better. Maybe he'll give us something above a replacement player, which he hasn't. It's the no. sunken cost fallacy. The sunken cost fallacy. It's it's where you have already invested so much money into this player right. and that you might as well just keep playing them right. because what if they turn around? What you know, like One of these days, my, my investment's going to pay off. You I'll know? give it to the NFL. They don't make that mistake as often. The, well, it's because of the hard salary cap. And so the difference between the NFL and here's here's a little bit of oh Connor's salary cap corner. Hey, welcome to Connor's <laughs> salary new cap segment corner. That's only gonna happen once. It's a one-time Christmas special. Jingle bell, jingle bell, ding, da, 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 da. Connor talks about the salary cap. Here we go. Woo-hoo. Woohoo! Yeah. I'm creating a segment. Um, that those sounds were not edited in, though you may think they were. It was actually me making those sounds. So the difference between the NFL and the MLB, and so the MLB and the NBA are in the same category. For the MLS, NHL, I don't know. I don't care. Um, and so the NFL. <laughs> has a hard salary cap and that means that the franchises and the player agree the franchises and the players agree on how much money each player salary can be and that is a hard cap. So right now the hard cap for the NFL is set at let me think uh NFL internet at 34.6 million dollars. So a franchise can only use 34.6 million dollars on all player salary of a 53 man roster. Right. The difference between that and the MLB and the NBA and the NBA and MLB, there is a soft salary cap, which means, okay, we're going to cut the cap off at, you can use, let's say, 200 million, I don't know, It's I think it's like 50 something yeah. right now, okay? And um, what that means is you can exceed that because it's a soft cap. You can exceed the limit of your, it's 109 million for the NBA right now. You can exceed 109 but what that means is there are there's a luxury tax right. and that there are exceptions. So sometimes you can't and sometimes the, there there's a tax that you have to pay pay in excess. So for the Warriors, they're spending on when they had their huge team, they're spending like 180 million or whatever and the luxury tax was on top of that 180 million. So right. you can exceed it but then you have to give the league more money. Soft caps give players more empowerment. And that is why it's very difficult for the NFL. They don't want their players to have more power. And that's hard because if you're Russell Wilson, think about the damage that Russell Wilson gets on a game-to-game basis and how valuable he is to Seattle and then compare that to like Mike Conley for Utah like Mike Conley's making way more money than Russell Wilson and Mike Conley's impact is less and his value is less and he's just like not as good as a player at his sport than Russell Wilson it's is crazy and it's crazy so it's an NFL decision to not empower their players and there's a new agreement coming up in 2020 and there has been talks of a strike and that's because the NFL players are like this is insane that the MLB and the NF uh, the NBA get this much money so what we're gonna do we're gonna go on strike we want that much money because the turnover rate in the NFL is so much higher right, because yeah. they're getting hammered out there like this the and a lot of them nature of the sports collision after 
after uh, playing. Yeah. Because they don't know how to manage their money well, and they, and they don't make as much. And they don't as make as other. much. Exactly. So the NFL so, is, you know, the sport here, of the United States. Here's what I want to say about... The major so league that's baseball. The there. Yeah. Uh, sorry, and, and I didn't mean to interrupt. No, that's at all. What, my point was made. Um, but here's what I want to say about the 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 major league baseball, the status of the free agency and contract signings in major league baseball, and that's that. Um, we're getting contracts in the MLB that are much higher than ever before. Some of the highest contracts in American sports history right now are major league baseball contracts and like european and, soccer and for a team oh, yeah. but, oh, yeah. for a team that operates with a nine man field and nine man batting order and five pitchers one player getting all that money is starting to get a little bit ridiculous yeah and what i'm thinking is i i like i hate to see this this level of inflation happening in the mlb because i think that there are players that get this money and don't deserve that amount of money um, well, the hard thing with that, that Quinn, I, I hear you and you're correct, but it is it is nearly like economically impossible without saying with like at the risk of players leaving your sport, they cannot lower that inflation rate and set a hard cap. Let me ask. They're you, stuck Carter, in a soft cap unless you know, they want to restart the MLB. Do you know who Zach Wheeler is? I do not know who Zach Wheeler is. OK, Zach Wheeler, pitcher for the Mets, sure. above average pitcher, sure. right? Last week, Zach Wheeler, and, Some, and mind you, let's just call him random Mets guy. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Well, I, people know who he is. Okay, you know? okay. So Steven Strasburg and Garrett Cole are the two top starting pitcher free agents right now. Okay. Not no longer Strasburg because he's off the market. Got signed by the Nationals. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was. But he was at the time of the signing. Zach Wheeler, you know, he uh, he he's a coveted signing. Like people wanted him, um, but not nearly at the level of those guys. Zach Wheeler signed a five-year, $118 million contract. Jeez. Lamar Jackson is making $2 million a year, I'd just like to say. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then... Rookie contract. Yeah, yeah. So this is this is a problem, and I don't want to go on too much about this because we have to get back to our whole GPSBs bit. But, like, this, I think it's a problem, and I, it's actually something I, I think would be fun to discuss in a future podcast when we have... We can. Like, an actual um, segment on it or something like that. We can, and and this is the what I was saying that within that discussion, your inflation will only rise with the soft cap because only there's only more and more money being poured into sport franchises, right. league wide, nationwide, worldwide, and so their players will only get paid more if there's a soft cap. Right now, Mike Conley, who he's made, he's on a five year, one hundred and fifty three million dollar contract. So ridiculous. <laughs> it's Mike Conley. Like it's not, and he's just like your day to day guard who's nice. He's kind of a yeah. vet. Um, this year, I could look up his stats, but they're like, you know, they're this year he'll get paid thirty two point <sighs> five million dollars. Um, oh, and so and that is just um an example of what a soft cap is. That and I am actually on board with player empowerment in the realm of this discussion. Sure. And I think that yes, it's better for the franchise to pay Lamar Jackson two million dollars a year. But there's no way that in a that when you look, in, you could even use like the same type of city, right? Like the amount of money that the Mets are paying as opposed to. Um, the Jets for these players, yep. it's like the same city. It's the same city getting the same funding. 
uh, it's absurd. And, And so that's why I'm on board with player empowerment, getting... I would rather have that money leave the owner's pocket and go into the player's pocket. Because in the NFL, it's fair. staying in the owner's pocket. There needs to be consistency, though, is, is my more my point on this yeah. thing. Is, is we need to figure this out. Like, across sports leagues, there needs to be some level of consistency. Yeah. And, and there's just not right now. And my and I mean I'm here to make the argument kind of a I don't think it's that hot of a take, but it is it's player empowerment. I'd rather the players have that money than the owners. I, yeah. And I think that's a fair argument. Um, yeah. Again, let, we I, I think we should have a segment on that later, like next season. Yeah. Well, you know what's going to happen, Quinn, is that there's going to be a 2020 lockout for the NFL, huh. yeah. so we can talk about Real the sad. summer. What what's going to happen this summer is that the NFL might go on another strike. The the collective bargain agreement. Is absolutely going to have to be. Yeah. It's going to be talked about again, and the it's a rumor for a strike. So I'm not saying it's coming, but I'm saying there's a rumor out there that the because the CBA is so contested, CBA being the collective bargaining yeah, agreement, right. because it is so contested between play, owners and players that um, the league, uh, the I guess the players' union, and I actually applied to an internship this summer because I was like, hello, nice. I'd like to be hello. there when this happens. Um, they are going to uh there's they're saying like our players are going to have to get paid nba level money right. because the owners have the same money right like there's jerry jones has as much money as any nba team owner more so because of the the value of the cowboys That's and fact. he's keeping so much money more in his pocket so anyway the contract discussion we could reopen when there's another strike it's probably going to happen and the cba will have to that will definitely have to be renegotiated and um, we'll pick it up then. It's going to happen. Um, let's move on to our second to last uh, award of the decade. Um, this one's going to be fun. Um, so let's talk about the best championship games of the decade. Um, and I think there's a few cases that you could make here. Um, but, yeah, let's – let's. Uh, Seth, you want to start that out? Yeah. Um, on, yeah, there's there's so many. And, and I'm talking, by the way, singular games. So if it was a series, narrow it down to one game. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I think we got to go with 28-3 Patriots-Falcons uh, comeback Super Bowl. Um, that was ridiculous, and it was, it was hard to watch, I think, for so many of us who <laughs> are tired of the Patriots. Yeah. But if there was any moment where you just have to tip your cap to that team. It was that game. I absolutely, absolutely. Uh, yeah, th- there's there's no words for that situation. Um the togetherness that they showed, um the just lack of ever giving up or or just saying and it's eh, also the Falcons it. imploding. Also you can yeah. put up 28 and a half in a Super Bowl and then like you come out and you can't score. Yeah. Again, that, that game team. was it was fun to watch too. Yeah, yeah. it was like it's to the testament of both teams, like dominance in the first part of it, and then like and then like they went full Chris Davis over yeah. for fifty two. <laughs> Pretty much, it was tough to watch. It was, but you know, you sat there the entire second half just with your mouth open, and I I can't yeah. imagine how many people turned off that game at the end of the first half or were just like oh I'll watch the commercials in the background. Yeah, and then that just well my family into, did I really yeah I remember where I was watching that game I it was my I think it was my senior year of high school and I was watching the game my mom and dad were they were working on the the fridge broke as they were working in the fridge and I said I was like guys get back in here it's a Super Bowl. they're coming back and my dad's like yeah just tell me about it and I'm working on the fridge so literally my family yeah. my own flesh and blood weren't watching yeah. because you know I guess the fridge was leaking or something <laughs> Sick. Connor, what's your pick? 
Well, I mean, I wrote this down. I don't know. I think my the actual choice I will give is um, I am just I wrote Evaldi. Uh, I remember watching oh, that yeah. in the calf. Uh, yeah. And I don't know if this is like true. Like if, you know, if, you, if you're listening and you come find me, we can talk about so many other championship games. Cause I, I love, like, I'm a basketball diehard. And so there are a couple basketball games this decade that have just like, like changed the, the LeBron, <laughs> the LeBron, you know, whole like, who was Block that? Blocked by James. Who, who was the, no, but who was the player uh, who got blocked? No, that, uh, Frick, I'm totally blanking. This was like two years ago. Okay. And he like had the ball and didn't shoot it. Oh, JR. Yeah, oh, yeah JR. Yeah, JR Smith. Smith. Yeah, yeah Quinn. That's right. <laughs> that one will age as one of the funniest, I think, sports <laughs> things. Like, I'll, we can talk about this in a second too because we're going to talk about well, the biggest I, moments of the decade. I have, I have my pick for the best championship game too. So, okay, what, I'll, what I'll fire this? through it. So, Eovaldi, was it seven innings, Quinn? Was it six, seven? Whatever, he, yeah. however many he pitched in that World Series game stands to the testament of like that is the fu- like that's like the value of like America <laughs> it's like I'm gonna you gotta get something done right gotta do it yourself and Uvaldi's just like I'm gonna go moss these guys for like seven innings or whatever and to do what he did um I think it was in a losing effort right mm-hmm. uh is is in, is exceptional I remember watching it I was um I think I was in the calf eating a little dinner and he was a he was a potential pick for world series mvp that year well yeah it's because i i have personally i don't watch a lot of baseball obviously we've talked about this but i have never seen something like that in my life when it comes to baseball i've never seen um a one player it would have to be a pitcher if it was one player but like take over like that for so long and be that lights out i mean he almost pitched a full game himself yeah and you know it was in a losing effort in a World Series game, it, exceptional work um, by Uvalde. It was um, absolute going beast mode. That was on my birthday. Oh, dude! <laughs> and I was at K Barbecue, cool. just watching this man boink deal boink, it, boink. <laughs> yeah, dude. Well, happy late birthday. Hey, thanks. Well, happy man. late birthday <laughs> um, from a couple of years ago. So this one for me, uh, far and away. Has to be Game Seven of the 2016 World Series. Tell me more. So, were you there? No. Oh, okay. I wish. Well, actually, I don't know if what I World wish. Series games you go to. Um, th- that was the 2018. Okay. Uh, wait, nine. Yeah, 18. 2018 Red Sox versus Dodgers. Yeah, baby. So, uh, but the 2016 Game <laughs> Seven, right? That was uh, Cubs versus Indians, three yeah. three series. Was, oh, was yeah. tied three three. Oh duh, that's like the answer. What the are game, we? Who are we kidding? The game yeah. went into extra innings. Uh-huh. That's right. There was a rain delay. Yep. And the Cubs, ha- who hadn't won a World Series in over a hundred years, yeah, came out on top. So for me, that's got to be the best championship. At home, right? Were they of, at home? Yeah. And if I remember correctly, Wait, uh, were they? No, they were. 
Yeah, they were because there's like you see Bill Murray in the yeah, stand. Yeah, yeah, and that's if right. I remember correctly, they were down three two mm-hmm. in that series. So it's also no, they were down three one. They were down three one. No, that's yeah. so, right. come so on. That, that World Series game had to have been the best one because it, yeah, okay, a, you, it you went win, in, like sure. it went into extra innings. There was a rain delay. Everyone was on the edge of their seat. A hundred years worth of winning. Everyone was on oh, the edge of their seat, or waiting, not winning rather, waiting <laughs> for the Cubs to finally win a World Series. And it was just this like this like moment of will they or won't they? You know. Yeah. And they did. Yeah. And it was glorious. I I can still, in my head, is burned (laughs) the image of, um, what's the third baseman's name again? Chris Bryant. Chris Bryant smiling. So it's like- As he's picking up the ball. As he's picking up the ball, and he just chucks it to first, gets the final out of the game. I I will forever have the image in my head, because you see a player who- he sees he's probably seen you know a million and that might be like a realistic number yeah a million ground balls and so he sees the hit it was played and at he's to, by the he's way. the first to celebrate like Chris Bryant is the first person to begin that celebration in the way that he knew he's like oh this is it's an out yeah right yeah. and so I will forever imagine that game as Chris Bryant beaming. As he's fielding a ground ball, thrown into first. What a moment! First that that for me, years. and also this is a good transition because I think for me the 2016 Cubs winning the World Series is the top sports moment of the decade. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that's my pick I, for it. Yeah, that might be the pick. It's period. It's hard to argue. With. It's hard to argue. Yeah, I think we we all so, have yeah, our the, little officially. By things. the way, this is officially the transition into our last part, which is the best sporting moment of the decade. I, I think we switch it then to our personal favorite. The, yeah, gonna... that's fair. But I, I think objectively, the Cubs winning that game was just it, like as a sports fan, you watching that game, you were just like, this is everything I could have hoped for in a baseball game. Yeah. You know, so that's that's my pick for that. But also top top moment of the decade for each of us. And then I guess we could also go into, um, you know, just our personal favorite memories or something like that. Yeah. Just to close it out. So. What was the top personal favorite moment of the decade for you guys? Oh, man. Um, I think I got to go with something where I was there. Sure. Because, I mean, it, it just doesn't get any more. Yeah, a, that any more electricity, real. you can't feel it through a screen. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, and so that would probably be my first ever NFL game. Uh, I was, yeah, wow, that's crazy. I was, I was 13, 14. Uh, cause yeah, it was tw- 2012, um, the year we won the Super Bowl. The Ravens won the Super Bowl. So oh, first dude, NFL with that like Ed Reed and Ray Lewis. Yeah, at I the had tail, tail, tail end. Yeah, of that career, of, of that career that defense. For, for them. And so <laughs> I Terrell had a Suggs. homemade purple wig that was like curly. Nice. And a homemade like Raven thing that I put on top of it. Love it. Homemade like foam finger because you can't really get a Baltimore foam finger around here. Had my jersey, had my pants, painted my face, but we were up like two rows from the top because that's all like my parents could afford. <laughs> but for, like, it was, it was the memory. Yeah, it was the memory. And looking back at that game, you know, we were down 10-0 at halftime. I still remember that. And my parents being like, it's okay if they lose. Like, don't don't stress out too much. Like, would you still have fun if like, they <laughs> lost? Um, and then just coming back and then it being fourth and 29. Uh, that game it was the fourth and 29 game that i was at and so just just to look down at the field and see joe flacco do a dump pass to ray rice at the line of scrimmage like what are you doing i just wanted to. (laughs) that might be the most joe flacco pass (laughs) that we've ever seen just an open dump pass and you see him run for you know 
12 yards, and then it's like, okay, and now he's going to get tackled, and the game's over. And then he just loses everyone all the way to the line. The call is reversed, like, three times as to whether he got there or not. Eventually, they, de- they determine he he did. They hit a field goal, tie the game, go to overtime. We win it in overtime with a rookie, Justin Tucker. I believe it was his oh, first ever wow. game. Oh, Love it. Wow. You were at one of, like, the games. The, the, like, and if, of, if the Ravens do not win that game, they don't make the playoffs. If the Ravens don't make the playoffs, they don't win the Super Bowl. Connor. Wow. What is your personal moment of the decade? I will answer this as one of the most impactful is what I'm gonna say. I'm gonna name yeah. it the most impactful sports experiences of my life. And that was watching I'm getting chills thinking about it. Watching Russell Wilson throw an interception at the one yard line oh. against the New England Patriots in in a Super Bowl we were, we could have gone back to back Super Bowl champions had we have hit that yeah. pass run the ball, the whole meal deal. In sports history, I know that I'm like I have a subjective bias here, but without a doubt, like in sports history, as far as close games go, and as far as as close to a championship as you can possibly get, that's, um, that's I remember season. watching that and being horrified. <laughs> like, <laughs> it was like absolutely horrified. There was a girl I went to summer camp with who we were like we liked each other when she was <laughs> and she was in town for the weekend and she was like oh i'll watch the super bowl with you and i was like that's awesome and it happened and then in front you were of sitting me. on the couch eating cheeto puffs with one hand holding your hand with the other yeah i know hey baby we want some <laughs> cheeto puffs let's share this one little lady in the tramp cheeto that girl's hand <laughs> sponsor us <laughs> and so her name was Rachel Legard and i remember watching Shout that out. game yeah seriously there's there's a high likelihood she hears this. And, <laughs> and I was a sophomore in high school, and I remember watching it next year and going, like flipping out, <laughs> like right in front of her. Like I was horrified, and I was like on the ground on my living room, sprawled out. <laughs> Devastated, and I, and so I am all I'm obviously like from Washington. So I go to school the next day, and it was like, where were you when the Super Bowl happened? <laughs> Close friend of mine, Matt, him and another friend of mine, they hugged and cried. They like they just hugged and cried, and I just remember this up when I think back to like the 2010s, and when I think about like this Russell Wilson era that as a Seahawks fan I've been just blessed to be a part of. Um, in that almost back to back Super Bowl. Watching us fail, there has not been more. There has not been a sports. Oh, hello. A sports. <laughs> I like hit the mic with my hand. A sports moment that has impacted me more. Wow. It did happen to be traumatic. Oh, yeah. But it's the type of thing we can laugh about today. And I just, um, whenever that Malcolm Butler interception is shown, it is like a deep wound that has been reopened time and time again that just is unhealing. And I think that is the mark of a lot of um, being a fanatic for sports. I think that speaks to why the three of us love watching sports is yeah. because at so many moments in time, that emotion is happening in the nation. Yeah. Sports has this ability to bring people together. It has this ability to divide them. And we hope, hopefully it divides them with a dialogue that will end up bringing them together sure. more. Yeah. But s- sports has this ability to impact people's emotions and um, really show them a live narrative of redemptive arcs and disappointing losses that all sort of surmise in this microcosm of what life is so i really was impacted by that in uh, i think it was 2014 yeah and for me i think you guys know the answer oh yeah it's got to be going to the game in 2018 where the red sox won it all 
for me that, that like going to a World Series has been a dream for me, and I, it just it was surreal. It was a surreal experience watching a team that I'd followed since I was a kid. I'm a Padres fan and I'm a Red Sox fan. I'm I'm a fan of both teams, and to watch a team that yeah I'd seen them win on TV in 2013, but to see that in person and be present physically to watch your childhood team win a World Series is just surreal. Yeah. It was an incredible experience. So I've talked sick. about it before and it's just like like there can't be any other pick, you know. Yeah. And, that, and like that's kind of like almost it's almost why we watch sports. We watch sports for like sort of the journey, but like it's all too a culmination, right? Right. So to see that championship live, I mean, you know. It just everything came together chills. in that moment. Yeah. And you know to kind of to kind of end this podcast to end this season I, I'm going to say sports is such an incredible thing because it really brings people together. And it's something that you can enjoy. It's something that throughout your childhood, you watch, you follow those teams, you're devoted. It's to It's like those a teams. family member, you exactly. know, like Russell Wilson to me is like, um, uh, like an uncle is how I like yeah. the way that I love him. <laughs> one of my, one of my best memories from high school was, uh, all, some of my best memories from high school involved going to Padres games with my friends. When yeah. the Padres hosted the 2016 All-Star Game, we went to Fan Fest. We saw the Home Run Derby. We saw uh, the Celebrity All-Stars Game. We got to do all that stuff. I met Will Myers, who is a terrible contract. Um, <laughs> met Pedro Martinez and like uh, all these like cool baseball greats. But that's like a memory. I saw like the championship trophy in person. Got to take a picture with it. Um, or like moments like... I went to the game where Bartolo Colon hit his first and only major league home run. <laughs> yes. And I was wearing my James Shields jersey as it happened. You know, but like moments like that, you just it, there's something romantic about sports yeah. and something that you just you can look at it and be like, "Man, those are fond memories." You know? We had a good time, and that's what sports means to me. And that's why, you know, sure people can be like sports is a stupid obsession. It's something that, you know, um, people like get unhealthily obsessed about, but it's also something that's so awesome and so beautiful, and it's, it's just rich a gift that we have, you know. And that's why I think that it's such a great, uh, a great thing, and why we can look back on this decade in sports and have these memories and have these moments. Because we, we know we'll look at the next decade and have sim like exactly. we'll have the same that. type of thing, right? Yeah. We're gonna look back on the 2020s. And we're gonna. There might be some transformational player. There's gonna be some crazy injury. There's gonna be there. There's gonna be so much that right sticks out to that us. We could, if forever. we wanted to cover the decade, it would take a decade. Yeah. yeah. Right. And yeah. so and that's the beauty of sports is that it's changing every day. And that and um, there's something every week that we can yeah, talk about. That's why. That's why we. we that's why we talk about every week. Yeah. So, uh, all that being said, we started this podcast two years ago. Um, and, or one year ago, I guess, a year and a half. Year and a half, yeah. Uh, and we've been doing this for a while, and I'm just so thankful for you guys. At the end of this first season that we're putting up on, on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud, um, I'm just so thankful for the memories that I've had with you guys and the podcast we've been able to do, and I look forward to doing this in the future. So thank yeah. you, guys. This has been amazing. I love this. <clears throat> I look forward to it every week. It brings me joy. 
And we, you know, we wouldn't be here without sports. You know, we've become incredible friends because of sports. Yeah. So this is also our, maybe the the GPSBs are our tribute, like, you know, to sports. Thank you for sports for bringing us together. And I think, you know, I just want to be the third voice in the booth to say like, yeah, every time, every time we open the podcast, Quinn goes, how are you guys doing? And I come up with a new answer just for the, you know, the heck of it. But the truth is, I'm always doing. I'm always like so stoked. Yeah, to I'm like, always happy. Um, this is prove become, you guys wrong. This has become a highlight of my week. Yeah, and you know, I just let you guys <laughs> the, the the all the freaking arguments really that we have, all the arguments that we have, and all the all the craziness that goes on in here, and the jokes we make. It just it it's it's fun and yeah. it's a good time, and I'm really thankful for it. Um, so on that note, uh, thank you guys, you and Connor, you know Connor and Seth. For, for being in here and, and doing this podcast with me. Thank you listeners for, you know, listening to this podcast or the, the ones before it. Um, and that does it for this season of GPS Sports. We'll see you guys next season.